Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs, host of Nurse Talk Radio, one of the thousands of nurses on duty today. Here's what we're talking about this week. Healthcare is the crossroads where the assault on workers meets the juggernaut of crony capitalism. That's the term used by the mainstream neoclassical and Nobel Prize winning economist Angus Deaton to describe the coziness between the healthcare industry and its government regulators. In fact, Deaton argues how healthcare is financed and delivered is a driver of inequality. Registered nurses see that inequity every day in hospitals and clinics where the standard of care patients receive depends on the quality and cost of the health plan they buy. Not only the benefits, but access to treatments, prescription drugs, certain facilities, the latest technologies, all depend on what you can pay. It's clear the U.S. healthcare system's teetering on the verge of collapse and must be reformed. That's one of the reasons Representative Keith Ellison from Minnesota has taken on the lead as sponsor for H.R. 676, the Expanded and Improved Medicare for All Act. With us today is Director of Public Policy for National Nurses United, Michael Leidy. For over 25 years, Michael has organized, written, and spoken for Improved Medicare for All. He is currently the lead policy analyst for the single-payer bill, SB 562, the Healthy California Act, and a fellow of the Sanders Institute. He is one of the nation's top Medicare for All policy experts. Michael, welcome to Nurse Talk. It's always great to have you with us. Thank you, Shane, and thank you, Casey. Really a pleasure to talk with you again. Sure. So in introducing your recent article, A Labor-Based Movement for Medicare for All, you say we need health care, not insurance, and that the fight for health care is not new. Americans have been fighting industry and crony capitalism for quality health care for decades. What were some of those achievements and what role did labor play in that? Well, labor fundamentally has set the standard for worker health benefits and has demanded of employers and frankly, through Medicare, because labor was the primary mover behind Medicare in the early 60s, really starting in the late 50s, has established that basis of health care is a human right for the whole population. We haven't achieved that, but the programs, Medicare, Medicaid, employer-based insurance, those derive directly from the organizing, the blood, sweat, and treasure that workers have put in through their unions to win. So I think we can say that the achievements we've made in terms of providing care uh, and also in terms of the quality of care that exists in hospitals and the uh, organization of healthcare workers, registered nurses and others, all derives from building that labor-based power in healthcare. With the recent decline of unions, the ability to fight for our healthcare in the same way has diminished as well. Say more about that and what can be done to strengthen the labor movement's role in healthcare. Well, I think that's that's exactly right. And what we need to do in healthcare is link the struggles that healthcare workers have with their employers with the patient's demand for guaranteed healthcare. And so, what we find, particularly with registered nurses, is their alliance with the patients and the public both enables them to be advocates for improving quality of care, but also for guaranteeing health care for everyone, for universal health care. And so that's really what unions need to do, is that in a time when unions are under a lot of pressure, there's demand for concessions and takeaways, there's been a tendency to say, okay, well, we'll cut a deal with the boss, we'll become partners with the employers. That hasn't worked. And what really, uh, in our experience at National Nurses United, is that if nurses and other healthcare workers align with their patients and the public, then we can move things forward, even though workers in unions are a relatively small share of the overall working population. 
organized workers can have a disproportionate impact if they ally with the public. And so what are the origins really of tying health care to employment? Is that something that labor was instrumental in as well? Or Absolutely, absolutely. And it, it happened during World War II. In 1942, in order to make sure that war production was uninterrupted and something that, that the country, I guess, could, could afford, they froze wages in the entire industrial sector, manufacturing and anything related to war production. So as a result, the government said, well, yeah, we're not going to let you raise wages. We will let you do health benefits through the employer, and we'll give them tax-free. You can have provide these benefits, and we won't tax them as compensation, because, of course, they really are. That's when it started in 1942, and it got codified and really institutionalized after the war as unions realized, hey, we can bargain for health benefits that will help us recruit members, that will uh, strengthen our membership's uh, support for the union. And that's really how it started. Interesting. So, Michael, you say crony capitalism is winning. And the access to health care definitely is receding. So clearly we're losing the battle, but you think we don't have to lose the war. Say more about that. Well, that's right, because we basically created a system where every time we've tried to change it, it's further enriched the corporate entities that dominate health care. So the ACA actually for many years was very profitable for insurance companies. For-profit hospitals were booming in the early years of the ACA. Obviously, the pharmaceutical companies have had no decrease in profits. I think the number just in California for the insurers between 2011 and 16 was $27 billion in, in net income. So that's really what we're talking about. When we say money is the metric of medicine, that's Elizabeth Rosenthal's phrase uh, from her book, American Sickness. What we mean is, yeah, the healthcare system for those for-profit hospitals or even nonprofit hospitals, insurance companies, drug companies, it's successful. It's working because they're making a lot of money. If quality and guaranteed health care is the metric, then we're losing. And that's what I mean. We've lost the war now where money has been the metric of medicine. Now we are, are building a movement that can transform our health care system in, into one that promotes health and is, is based on people's needs. That's the transformation. And what about the idea of expanding Medicare? Yeah, expanding Medicare is the best way to do it because uh, we've tried everything else except uh, building on the program that's popular and works. <laughs> so let's right. why don't we try that. And as it turns out, we need to improve Medicare for seniors. By 2030, uh, a majority of seniors may be paying as much as 40% of their income for health care. And this is supposed to be the program that provides security for retired folks. So we need to eliminate the co-pays in Medicare. We need to expand the benefits under Medicare. But the only way to save Medicare, because it does obviously provide benefits to the most high-need patient population with expensive needs is to put everybody in that system. So that's where we talk about expanded and improved Medicare for all. We eliminate the deductibles, co-pays, and premiums. We eliminate the donut hole for seniors. We eliminate their co-pay and co-insurance under Part B. And we guarantee health care for everybody based on need, not just what you can afford. So that's why Medicare really can be the basis for this solution. So we can change the game like we have seen with Fight for 15 and the hashtag MeToo. How and why would this work? 
We have to see this as part of this broad upsurge in the justice movements. These demands for justice all go together. And what we've seen is that when we make this appeal explicit, say, hey, all workers have a shared interest. That's what Fight for 15 did in terms of raising wages. That's what Me Too does for women. All women workers have this in common, this experience. And in healthcare, we need to tap into that. All workers have this fear. So many have the um, barriers to access, financial, narrow, you know, not having the doctor that they need in their network. All those barriers create an opening to say, hey, we're all in this together. We can guarantee health care for all, not just for some. And if we speak directly to the worker self-interest, say, yeah, I can't afford it. Here's how we can control costs through a Medicare for all. Here's how we can reduce what we pay. Here's how we can eliminate those financial barriers to care that are literally killing us. Once we start talking about that, get out of the insurance frame, get into the justice frame, link with these other movements, model on Fight for 15 and build that mass demand, that's the only thing that's going to overcome the money. Money is winning, but people power can overcome it. And that's the difference. What can people do to involve themselves? Well, we're building this national campaign to win improve Medicare for all. Contact your representative. Make sure that they're supporting in Congress, H.R. 676. Go to the Campaign for Guaranteed Healthcare website if you're an activist. If you're a nurse, go to National Nurses United. If you just want information, go to the NationalNursesUnited.org website and get more information about how Medicare can guarantee healthcare for all if we improve it. Most importantly, I think, is the mainstream media does not give us enough credibility or attention. Let's write letters to the editor. Always respond on those articles online in the comment section, but especially letters to the editor. Make sure these newspapers know that the readers want fair coverage of this growing movement uh, for health justice. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for keeping up the good fight of trying to get Medicare for all and have a more even playing field for all of us. Well, thank you, Casey and Shane. I love being on Nurse Talk. We, we couldn't do it without you. So let's all keep up the good fight. Oh, thanks. We like having you on for sure. We've been talking with Michael Lighty. Michael's the Director of Public Policy for National Nurses United and a Sanders Institute Fellow. For more information about this topic or about National Nurses United, visit nnu.org.